Welcome to Dodgers Dogs. Casey Porter here, joined as I am each and every Wednesday and Friday by Austin Brubaker. Austin, I know you've been very busy as of late, but what's going on, my man? Can you hear me? Uh, it's good to see. Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah, the start of the. I totally missed the start of the show. My Wi Fi gave out there. No, I'm really excited to be here. Dodgers Daily, Wednesday night. It is six o'clock Pacific. It's nine o'clock here on the East Coast. Uh, can't ask for anything better than to talk Dodgers baseball. We are getting incredibly close to spring training. I know Dodgers fans are excited about that. I'm excited about it. Casey's excited about it. Everybody's excited about spring training because we are about to roll into the month of February. The month of February means pitchers and catchers report, and that means Shohei Otani is going to be wearing a Dodgers uniform in spring training. That can't be more excited about that. He has had a chance to talk to James Altman today, interviewed him. That's a nice, long, probably 30-minute talk. I will be probably premiering that next Tuesday. What a cool young man he is. And he talked about all the new acquisitions, how excited he is, and how that the, the number one thing he's most excited about is the chance of winning a World Series. He feels like the team has – that this Dodgers club has the team both on the field – and in the clubhouse to get that done. So super excited to release that interview with James Altman here coming up. Yeah, no, that's that's going to be really exciting. I remember watching James. I, I think he came up in 2019, at least a little mm -hmm. bit with Great Lakes, but it's, I particularly remember the 2021 season. There's funny, there was a game out in Fort Wayne. There's a clip where I'm sitting behind front row. Uh, it was a really good back-and-forth game in which the Loons came back. Uh, Brandon Lewis hit a... Yeah game time three run home run in the eighth when they were down i think six to three uh and then in the ninth inning james outman hits a two run home run to make it eight to six and you can see in that video i think josh thomas posted it uh me jumping up as soon as it left the bat so james outman i remember him from those days and now dodgers he's become a fan favorite for the dodgers and so that interview is going to be really cool. Must watch here on Dodgers Daily. Probably premiering, I think, what you said, next Tuesday uh, or this upcoming Tuesday. Yep. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I like to. I'm going to th throw some video up here and and throw it in the oven and let it bake here for James out. But I like to put out, so like on, on Sunday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we have our live show. And then Tuesdays usually are designated for our interviews. And then Thursdays usually – our next show is going to be, I think, the, the most underrated prospects in the organization. We've released our prospect videos, like the top 30 prospect stuff. So look for another prospect video like that coming. And then look for the James Altman video coming next Tuesday as you see him right here going up against the wall. But what are some of the things that are on your mind with the Dodgers? I know there was a little bit of a of a hiccup with James Paxton today. His He's not going to make quite a bit as much money. But other than that, I think you have that. And then... Maybe the one spot left, there's no spots left, but maybe one move left for the Dodgers? Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting where the Dodgers are at position-wise uh, in their roster considerations. Obviously, the James Paxton news came out. He's not making quite as much money. There seems to be some minor thing that they noticed uh, with some of the medical reports. So there's a little bit of cause to concern with that. Um, James Paxton was somebody going in when the Dodgers signed that there already was going to be some injury risk associated. So he has the profile that a Jesus Lazardo type has. He comes with a little bit of injury risk attached to that. And that's something that the Dodgers pitchers 
all a lot of them have in common. You have that with the Tyler Glass now. You have Walker Buehler coming back. There is some concern for injuries. Luckily for us, that, I think that's going to present opportunities for some of these young guys to fill in if there is a void created in the pitching staff. And I think they're throughout the season, they're going to do everything they can to keep these starting pitchers healthy for the postseason. And I think that means that giving some of these young guys, whether that be spot starts, whether that be a little bit more extended periods of starts, I think the first in line for that, at least going into spring training, is going to be Emmett Sheehan. I think I kind of expect him to be on the opening day roster if you don't anticipate Walker Bueller being on the opening right. day roster. Because of injury. Uh, I, because of injury, because of wanting to hold him back from the start. So I think Emmett Sheehan, he's probably the guy to lose the job. Obviously, there's going to be competition with him. Gavin Stone, Kyle Hurt, Landon Knack, all of those young, great pitchers fighting for a role. And as the Dodgers, where they are at right now, it's very close to spring training. They're looking to potentially fortify some of the back end of the bullpen which is why there's been rumors about ryan brazier mm-hmm. there's been rumors about kenley jansen there's been a lot of rumors about kike hernandez and how that fits into the roster if there is a role for him and whether you prefer him or a manuel margot type um there's a lot of small details to try to find the, refine this roster at least going into the season there's going to be changes between what's on the opening day roster and what's at the last day of the season, the postseason roster. But to start the season, you have to ask, is this team all set? And I know that's a question that the Dodgers are asking. They're constantly looking. I think right now they're looking for more of that bullpen-type piece to see if there's any sort of way they can get a Tanner Scott, or are they going to have to go to the Kenley Jansen? Are they going to go down the Ryan Brazier route? There's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of speculation as far as whether the Dodgers are going to go back to players that they are familiar with, or if they're going to go into a new direction during this new era Dodgers baseball comfort and familiarity versus potential more upside in other players seems to be a question as far as how the Dodgers want to move forward if they want to move forward with different types of pieces to add to this roster no doubt you've seen Emmett Sheehan you also saw James Altman who again had a chance to talk to him today he is just such a wonderful young man this is Gavin Stone here I've not been able to connect with Gavin Stone I think he's pretty locked in especially after the season last year I think he's He's just going to want to stay locked in. I've had a chance to talk to Emmett Sheehan and don't have anything set up with him, but hopefully something coming down the pike. And then also just, I mean, literally just a couple of minutes before we came on the air, just communicated with Tyrone Lorenzo. And Ooh. so he's headed out to Arizona and he's not going to quite be there in time. The, the translator that we use is Trinidad from, you know, Trinidad from Dodgers 2080 with Tim. Tim is going to use Trinidad. Trinidad actually has interviewed Tyrone for Dodgers 2080 at Rancho. So Tyrone felt comfortable with him. As a matter of fact, Tyrone said, hey, that guy from Rancho, whatever his name, it was Trinidad. He remembered him very well. He had a lot of respect for him. So I immediately got on the J-O-B and messaged Tim and said, hey, would it be okay if I use Trinidad? And Tim was like, well, heck yeah. So Trinidad's very, very busy. And Sundays are really the only days for him. And so this coming Sunday – Tyrone's not exactly sure if he's going to be at Camelback yet 
or not. So just for the sake of, of logistics, we went ahead and set it for the 11th. So going to talk to him on Sunday. I believe that's Sunday the 11th. Get that in the can, then I'll put that out on the following Tuesday. So super excited you know I, about that. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. But I think that brings up something. I think we need to start learning or start practicing our Spanish a little yeah. bit in order to be able to communicate with these guys a little bit better. That would be something that would be really cool to do. I actually started that last year, and I got so busy that it's just like I just didn't have time for one more yeah. thing at that point. But I actually have started that. I know a little bit of Spanish. I've spoken I've spoke to Guillermo Zuniga quite a bit in Spanish and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, but but not def, this is Tyrone Lorenzo right here, by the way. Definitely not fluent in it. So hey, we have a wonderful crowd showing up tonight. Call all your friends, tell them to get over here. Let's have a great show. The title to the show is Dodgers A New Era. It's time to turn over a new leaf. It's time for a new era of Dodgers baseball. Not saying you can't have some carryover. Not saying you can't, you know, ha- have some of the, the old guard, but it definitely is a era, a new era of Dodgers baseball. And in this era, we expect championships. And let me guarantee you, Dodgers fans, again, I talked to one of the starting nine players on this Dodgers team. And I assure you, the people, the, the players on this team, are expecting to win a championship even more than we are. So that's super exciting. I know James was was super excited to get going, and he was excited to get to play next to T.O. and Manny, and he talked about Jason Hayward and and how that relationship has been so great for for James James Altman and how Hayward has really mentored him. And another big part of this that you're going to find when I release this was just the instinctual part of it. He mentioned that he gets to play behind Miggy Rowe and how just watching Miggy Rowe operate, it was amazing to James how Miggy Rowe just would anticipate where hitters were going to hit the ball before they ever hit it. And he really felt like that helped him as far as his instincts went. So super excited about that. Hey, Showtime LA, thank you so much for joining. So excited for Dodger baseball, even if it's only spring training. We need some baseball in our lives, no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about it. Even though it is spring training, there's still a lot of fun because it is baseball. We've been craving this ever since the Dodgers lost in the playoffs, ever since the World Series. Corey Seager broke out in the postseason. I can't can't wait enough for the Dodgers to be able to start the spring training games, for pitchers and catchers to report, uh, to be able to just get baseball back. That is something that, as we get closer and closer, you just want it more and more and more and just get going. Showtime LA. So good evening to you. Excited about Dodgers baseball as well. Mr. Seabad, thanks. Thank you so much for joining. Got my room booked for Camelback and ready to roll for Dodgers spring training. Let's go. I think I'm going to probably end up going for a couple days. I'm not exactly sure about that. Have to wait for the credentials. Got a message back. I actually messaged for credentials about three weeks ago and i got the message of hey with Shohei otani we've had more rec- we've had more requests than ever by about tenfold so can't guarantee anything message back when spring training starts and we'll see what we got so um, i know mike's going mike's gonna get a lot of content for us so i'm super excited about that hopefully i might be able to go out there for a day or two as well over my spring break but we'll see nothing is guaranteed there so showtime la austin what level do you think uh, Josue De Paula will end at this year, and can he make it to OKC? 
Yeah, Josue Jose de Paula is one of one of the most exciting prospects within this Dodgers organization. He's got some of the most hype prospect-wise across all of the different prospect industries. And I know Casey and I have spoken really highly of him. Outfielder, played in a lot in Rancho this past season. He played in, I believe, 74 games. So he has... About 340, 350 plate appearances at Rancho Cucamongo. I could see him, depending on how they want to construct the outfield, potentially starting the season in Rancho, otherwise moving up to Great Lakes. I don't know exactly what the plan is for him, and it's going to depend on how he is progressing. Uh, So I think he'll start in either Rancho or Great Lakes. As far as getting him up to Oklahoma City, that's going to take a massive push for Josue to be just unreal uh, to get him up that high. Remember, this kid is only 18 years old right now. Yeah, he's 18, so he's entering his age 18, 19 season. And that is really young, even for the Midwest League, even for high A, to be 18, 19 years old. So I don't anticipate him getting up to Oklahoma City. I think he's got a lot of talent. There's still a lot of areas that, with all of these guys, these these coaches want to help them. They want to develop them. So I don't think they're going to rush Josue DePaula to Oklahoma City. But I think you could potentially see, depending on how Josue DePaula does, and especially if he spends a lot of time in Great Lakes, I think you could potentially see him at the end of the season maybe winding up in Tulsa and experiencing a little bit of double A, depending on how the season's going and depending on if Great Lakes needs needs Josue DePaula for a playoff run. No doubt about that. You're seeing him on your screen right here, Josue de Paula, a young man that is growing into his body, a young man that I, I, to Bernie Williams, he has written all over me again. And just because he hit two home runs does not mean that he hits the baseball, does not hit the baseball hard. He has very, very, very good exit velos, very good exit velos. He just it comes off of his bat a little bit lower. I think as he, you can see right there, that inside pitch that he's able to hit over the or I don't know if that, yeah, that was a home run right there. He's able to get to that pitch, so I think as he goes on, I'm going to go ahead and turn on the virtual camera here, Austin, and I'm going to flip yeah, over good. to the virtual camera so you can actually see all of this, and we can go about it that way, and settings is good. And so, Josue DePaula, I think he is a young man that will have good uh, power as we go on, and I'm going to turn off my my background here. Let me. This is going to take just a second, guys. Let me go right. Uh, let's see. None. Yeah, no. Josue de Paula is one of those guys that um, there's a reason why there's a lot of hype about Josue de Paula. Even just looking at a lot of his numbers from this past season, he just had the two home runs. Except if you look at a lot of the behind the scenes data, there's a lot of really good power in there with the exit velos. There's a lot of more projection for potential additional power in the future. He's got incredible plate discipline at Rancho. He had a nearly he had a 13 and a half walk percentage and a less than 18% strikeout percentage. So there's really good control of the bat. He's able to hit for some power. There's or at least there's a lot of projected power in that bat. And he stole 14 bases as well. So he's got a lot of tools that you like. He's got a really good swing and good feel for hit. Josue de Paula has just about all the tools that you could want from a hitter coming up through this organization and has the potential to be one of those guys that breaks out and just be a prospect that 
every single team covets, even more than what they covet right now. Um, Josue De Paula is going to spend a lot of time in Great Lakes, and I am thoroughly excited to be able to watch him develop in Great Lakes. No doubt about that. John Kazi, good evening, Casey and Austin. Good evening to yourself. John says, love me some James Alvin. I do too. He just... He's just such a wonderful young man, and you just root for him. He's like Ryan Pepio was. I mean, just you talk to him, and he just is so infectious, and you just end up really, really, really rooting for him. Hey, Craig, good evening. Thank you so much for joining Dodgers Dogs tonight on a Wednesday night in the big town. So excited that you joined tonight. Showtime says if Audi can lower the strikeout rate, the sky is the limit. Yes, no doubt about it. And he, I asked him that question the last time I had him on. Do you have a sliding scale? Let me get some some film back up of James Altman. Let me get some of his minor league talk. But I actually, I actually asked him that question last year. If you want to go back to my last uh, conversation with him in the offseason last year. And I asked him, do you have a sliding scale between the power and the strikeout? Something that, do you have a, a, a scale that is, that is acceptable for you? Like, okay, a certain amount of home runs certain percentage of power versus a certain amount of strikeouts. And he said he doesn't really think of it in those terms because if you think of it in terms of like percentages and ratios and statistics, then a guy like him ends up trying to hit towards those statistics. Then you become too results-oriented. And the next thing you know, once you become too results-oriented, you're not taking care of the process and you're obsessing over every single at-bat. And then all of a sudden you're not as good. So James Altman is a young man that I totally agree. I have said it many, many, many different times. Needs to lower that. I, I hope he can lower that that strikeout rate down to about 25%. Here's some defense from him. One thing that was that was striking that you're going to find on, a, on our latest interview with James Altman was when I asked him, hey, what was one thing that maybe surprised you about Major League Baseball that you weren't totally expecting? And he literally immediately went to, it was surprising how freaking good the pitchers are and how good they are every single day. He said the quantity of the quality of pitching in the major leagues is truly incredible. And so, I mean, that, I found that very interesting from Altman as well. So, uh, yes, no doubt, James Altman needs to lower his strikeout rate to somewhere around, I think, 25% and then he would be a great player. Also, I asked him, yeah. did you think about being a 2020 player? Was that on your mind? Then is it on your mind now? And is it something that you want to do in the future? I will leave that answer for whenever we release that interview. Yeah, and I think those are some really good points, and I I like it how James is focused on that prospect, and he's not envisioning or just solely focused for himself on a lot of the numbers. I think it's easy for people outside of the game who aren't in stepping into the batter's box to look at a lot of these numbers and look for certain metrics as far as indications for success. But for a lot of these players, it's very much process-oriented. It's about taking every single at-bat one at a time and not pressing to go and get one less strikeout or to hit one more home run to equal out that ratio. Just stick with the process and trust the game and trust the talent because James Altman, even when he strikes out, and his strikeout percentage was high, it was about 32% this past season. Uh, according to Fangraphs, he was a 4.4 war player. Yeah. You do not find those types of players very often. And if you do, they cost a lot of money. If you're 
talking about eight and a half nine war uh eight and a half nine million per one war that's talking about a 35 million dollar the $40 million type player that James Outman is. And so even just lowering his strikeout percentage just a little, as long as he's able to maintain the power that he has, as long as he maintains the athleticism, some of the speed, the great defense that he provides in center field, he is an incredibly valuable player that one of the most valuable players in the outfield, in center field, in the game of baseball, uh, 4.4 war for a player like James Outman in his rookie season, his full rookie season. Um, how much more he can he develop and how much more can he refine his skills, get better as he sees this pitching more and more and gets accustomed to it. We know James Outman, we saw it this past season, he's able to make those adjustments even on the fly. He struggled at times, but was able to bounce back and find his stroke, find his swing. Uh, James Outman, the sky is the limit for him. I definitely asked James, hey, you know, the rough patch, every rookie goes through him. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So talk about your rough patch. Tell us what you were thinking. What was the mental process? And how did you come out of it? What were the adjustments you made? All those kinds of things. Also went through with him the adjustments he's trying to make in the offseason. Defensively, how he felt the season went for him. How he, he, he felt like he got better as the season went on. Some of the things that he did to get better defensively. I asked him, hey, if I were to ask you, what type of offensive player do you want James Altman to become as a final product? I asked him to describe that, and he did a very good job with it. And also, he talked about Tom Kunis, the scout that that just, that just found him and, and signed him, the area scout, with the Dodgers. And by the way, did you have a chance to check out that, that Tom Kunis interview, Austin? Pretty cool. Dude, I sure right? did. Yeah, no, that is a phenomenal interview that if you're watching the video right now, if you're watching it live after the show tonight, go watch that interview with Tom Kunis, the, the scout who scouted and told the Dodgers about James Altman. Definitely worth a watch. Casey had a really great conversation. And I think this is something that's really important with James Altman. You mentioned that rookies. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when they were struggle. But if you look at the results, the overall big picture of James Altman, you have him for what five more years mm-hmm. of control he was able to work through a lot of those struggles become one of the most valuable center fielders in the game of baseball for a lot of these young guys younger guys who will be com- coming up they're going to deal with struggles but if you push through those struggles and if they are able to make it through they can become some of the most valuable pieces on your team and some of the best players whether that be on the pitching side whether they be on the hitting side we saw that last year with james Altman. we saw that with bobby miller Giving these guys a chance, even though they haven't played, had a lot of success in the major leagues, is something that is worthwhile for the Dodgers because you can find a lot of value. They won't cost a lot, especially early on, and that creates flexibility for the rest of your roster. So as we get into the season, as there's going to be opportunities, especially for these pitchers to come into the rotation to fill when there is injuries, Give these guys some time to make room, to make adjustments, and then I think they're going to showcase just how talented they are if they're able to make those adjustments. So be patient with some of these guys at times. There's going to be times where they might struggle, but if you go if you go past that, if they're able to push through that and make the adjustments, like with James Elman, they can turn into very valuable pieces for your organization. Absolutely, no doubt about that. And Aston, he also mentioned during that, that stretch – the runway the Dodgers gave him and how he felt 
like they had his back and how much that meant to him. So it, we're, that that's all we're going to talk about that. It was about, it's probably about a 30 minute long interview, maybe a little bit longer than that. He was kind enough to give that much time. And I'm telling you, this dude is so busy. Matter of fact, he had just came from a hitting lesson and just literally came out of the cage whenever I talked to him. So that was really cool of him to do. Hey, David E., thank you so much for joining tonight. We have a wonderful crowd here on Dodgers Dogs. It is Wednesday night in the big town, and we are talking Dodgers baseball. If you haven't done it so far, leave a like, leave a comment. Tell all your friends about Dodgers Daily. And if you're not a subscriber, hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends to come on over. Let's get a good lobby. We have a good lobby in here going. Let's get this thing over 100, and let's get a good conversation going, and let's get after it. What's up, Casey and Austin from David E.? Where did Daniel Nava go? Hopefully still with the Dodgers organization. Yeah, I haven't heard. The Dodgers have not announced their coaches for the minor league system. They've announced Great Lakes manager Jair Fernandez uh, is going to be the manager for Great Lakes this season. I don't know what Nava's role is going to be in this organization. All I know is Daniel Nava is a rock star. He's yeah. go- he made he was an incredible manager. I can't I can't speak highly enough for the job that he did in Great Lakes in 2023. As far as what his role is going to be, uh, as far at for the Dodgers this upcoming season I don't know the answer the Dodgers have not announced that uh, I don't have any sort of communication with Daniel Nava I just know that he has an incredibly bright future if he decides to pursue that in the future yeah and if he's not with the Dodgers it won't be because it'll be because he chose to do something else because mm-hmm. like you said yeah he was really really good so hey David and and the, the problem is with Austin and I that's not a question we would ask anybody in the org I mean we yeah. probably have some people we could ask and find that out of, but it would put them in a comfortable situation. They'd be like, oh, and that's just not, yeah. we don't do that type of stuff because we don't consider ourselves investigative news type reporters. We're, we're more of the analyst type. So we'll wait and see what, what happens when, whenever all that comes out. And I think it'll be here before too long. So I don't think we'll have to wait that long to find out exactly what happened. Hey, Denard2010 from the great state of... You know, Austin, the great state Texas. of Texas. Yes, absolutely. Denard, good evening. Greetings from Waco, Texas, home of the Baylor Bears, Max Muncy country. Matter of fact, Denard, every time I go to Waco, I stop in at West Texas and I get me a kolache. And they are just absolutely, simply fantastic. And as a matter of fact, while Max Muncy was with the Baylor Bears, he came to Stillwater, I believe it was like in 2011, something like that, and hit, oh, I think he hit like five home runs in three games. He got like 12 hits, and I, of course, I got all the Oklahoma State home games, and I can remember vividly sitting there going, this Max Muncy dude can absolutely stroke, and then got to see him in the Big 12 championship game at the Bricktown, or the championship tournament which was at that time hosted at the Bricktown Ballpark in Oklahoma City so I got to see him like four games there and he got like 21 hits or so I mean it was um, ridiculous Mac so kind of a interesting story that you say that I knew all about Max Muncy because he had just absolutely lit it up every time I had seen him it's why I'd also seen Michael Grove whenever he pitched as a true freshman against OU in the semifinals of the Big 12 championship game I also saw him pitch against Oklahoma State as well. And so when the Dodgers got Max Muncy, my first thought was, oh, thank God, man. This dude can absolutely stroke. 
So when he got to Oklahoma City and all of a sudden he started hitting and everybody was like, wow, who's this Max Muncy dude? Where did he come from? I, what, I, don't, I, I was like the only human being, I think, on the world that was a Dodgers fan that actually was less than surprised because I was like, well, yeah, that's Max Muncy. This guy just crushes. I mean, go back and look at the game log of whenever they played in Stillwater, like in 2000, I mean, the three-game series. It was incredible. Yeah, no, that's that is that is really awesome. And you get a chance to see a lot of these guys come up, whether that's at the college level, whether that is at the minor league level, which is why I encourage a lot of the fans, whether you're in Midland, Michigan, or whether you're across the rest of the country, go to a lot of baseball games, even if it's something where, man, Dodgers games are getting pretty expensive now that Shohei is on the team. Go out and check out some of the other stadiums as well and see the talent and then Maybe just maybe the Dodgers can find some great talent and they'll become Dodgers someday, whether that is go to Rancho, which I highly recommend, or any place else. Baseball just is just a fun sport to watch. And one other point, I've only been to Waco, Texas one other time, and I went there to go to the Dr. Pepper Museum. Oh, that really? was a pretty cool place. Oh, yeah. That is a cool place. Yeah, absolutely that's a cool place. I love Waco, Texas. I, Of course, I, I, been, I went to... Oh, probably five games there at Floyd Casey Stadium. I've actually been to a game at the new McLean Stadium right there on the Brazos River. I have not been to a baseball game at Baylor, though. But when Steve Smith was there in the early 2000s, when they first built that that McLean Stadium, I think it's uh, whatever the baseball stadium, I mean, they really had it rocking and rolling. I mean, they had, oh, the player of the year, the pitcher guy, uh, he was really – I can't remember his name. Denar can probably tell me his name. But, I mean, they were like top – like their basketball team is right now. That's how, how Baylor was in baseball. And believe it or not, the four or five years after they built that new stadium, I believe they built it, oh, 2001, somewhere in there, they led the country in attendance for like four or five years in a row. It's gone downhill since then. They haven't been as good as of late, and their attendance hasn't been as good. But – yeah, I love Baylor baseball. They're a wonderful Big Twelve. Uh, they're a wonderful Big Twelve brother, and super. Mm-hmm. I get to see quite a bit of them. So and Baylor, Baylor's yeah. always awesome. Yeah, no, they are awesome. Speaking of awesome, and speaking of player of the year type players, what you're watching right now is Austin Gothier, one of the Dodgers prospects in this organization. Uh, spent time between Great Lakes and Tulsa this past season. And you're talking about one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated guy in the system. This is it. <laughs> Mr. Seabat, question for the chat. Should Otani be sent to OKC for a short rehab stint? Would Casey lose his mind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably would. I doubt that he would be available to the media, though. He would, he would be shuttled in. Of course, I do know all the gates that they sneak in at. So I would know it. I, I at least would know which gate to stand at to get a good look at him, and I would at least get to say hi to him. So that would be really cool. And I would get to be, you know, on the field with him while he was playing. So that would be really cool. Yeah, I probably would lose my mind. The coolest moment that I can remember as far as rehab goes was in 2019 when Clayton Kershaw came down and a young Will Smith was just getting up to AAA and caught Clayton Kershaw and it was the first time I believe that Kershaw had ever thrown to Will Smith. And I remember, of course, Clay, Kershaw usually comes to Oklahoma City for his rehabs just simply because he's from the Dallas area. And Oklahoma City's like two and a half, three hours from Dallas, depending on 
what part of Dallas and what part of Oklahoma City you're leaving from. And so his family gets to come up and watch him. Same with Dustin May. And that night, Will Smith caught him. And so I got there way early, got to see the bullpens, got to see the early work, and got to see all that. That was really cool. Another one was Dustin May. Yasiel Pui came down for a while. I'm not impressed. But uh, I'll just leave it at that. Dustin May got to come back last year. His entire family was in the stands. That was really cool as well. So there have been some cool moments in Oklahoma City. Uh, Austin Barnes came back down. Gavin Lux came back down. So, yeah, definitely would lose my mind if Shohei Otani came to Oklahoma City. Yeah, I being with the high A team up here in Midland, which is for the affiliates as far away from L.A. as you possibly can be, I have not seen any rehab assignments in Great Lakes. It's possible <laughs> yeah. that they've had some. Yeah, you're never going to uh, see them they do not. They do not come to Great Lakes very often. So if Shohei is going on a rehab assignment, Expect him. I would expect him maybe in Rancho, possibly in Oklahoma City, but hopefully that does not come to pass because that means he's on the big league roster where he belongs and he's going to be killing it at, in L.A. So, Denard, you ask for footage on Austin Gothier and ye shall receive. Ah, there's Mr. Seabad's comment there. David E. says, can't, Casey, can't wait for Andy Paha's interview. Would love an update on how he's feeling. I have interviewed him once. Jesse Guffey actually was the interpreter on that. We did not go on video. Andy does not feel comfortable on video. And I don't, I mean, hey, <laughs> last thing I want to do is make people feel uncomfortable. So I actually asked him the questions. Jesse Guffey interpreted it, those his answers. I actually put them in written form. I didn't even do the audio of it. I just wrote his answers in written form. So if you'd like to see his answers to that, I just go to Dodgers Daily. And in that search function on the top right, just search Andy Pajes, and you can see the answers from the interview we had. Oklahoma City's a little tougher because they don't have a – like, Je I know Jesse. I've interviewed Jesse. Jesse and I are on a friendly basis. So I can walk up to Jesse and say, hey – or I could message him and say, can you translate? And Andy is comfortable with Jesse. So Oklahoma City's a little bit tougher. I hope I get an interview with him, but we'll see. I I, I don't want to make him feel comfortable, uncomfortable, and, and have to say, and you know – where he's in a situation where he wants to say no, but he doesn't feel like he can. So it's one of those situations. I'm not quite sure that I will get Andy Pajes. It's same. It's similar with Diego Cartaya, but we'll see, and we'll go from there. Hey, Brett Rose, thank you so much for joining. Good evening. Started watching your show a couple weeks ago. The knowledge that, Austin, you have about the game of baseball is amazing. Thank you for sharing it all with us that are watching. Wow, how about that, Austin? Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I really appreciate that. That that certainly means a lot. It absolutely does mean a lot. And it's a super fun show that we get to come out and talk about Dodgers baseball, what we love so much, and all the prospects that we get to see every night. Showtime LA. I know a lot of Dodgers fans are out on Gavin Stone. Let me go ahead and get some video up on Gavin Stone. And so what are your thoughts on Gavin Stone, Austin? Yeah, I'm really excited to see Gavin Stone this past this upcoming season. Obviously, uh, in 2023, especially when he came up to the big leagues, he was kind of put in, in a situation where they needed to call him up because they all of their pitchers seemed to be getting injured. Uh, and he really struggled up at the big league level. He didn't uh, seem to be have the control that he needed to. He had the cha great changeup. Uh, but a lot of the other stuff was just hit. So we saw with Gavin Stone, he made some really crucial 
in-season adjustments to his pitch mix, to a lot of his arsenal, where he's a little bit of a different pitcher than what we saw him in L.A., especially early in L.A., uh, in 2023 so I think there's a lot of really good adjustments that he made and I think if he's if the, I think those adjustments are going to play a big part into the success that he's going to have in 2024 his changeup is one of the best pitches in the game of baseball it's absolutely nasty being able to watch that pitch uh, it's about some of the other stuff and being able to set up towards the changeup and refining that pitch mix, which he's put a lot of work into. I think there's still a lot of upside in Gavin Stone. He was the minor league pitcher of the year in 2022, or at least looking at a lot of the numbers. He was the best pitcher in minor league baseball in 2022. There's still that upside in Gavin Stone. Uh, I'm excited to see how the adjustments he made late in 2023 are able to translate again in 2024. Yeah, now I'm showing you a sequence here. Now let me back this up. Watch this two-seam cup in on the righty. See that? Now see how this righty is sitting on that changeup and that slider in the outer half? He's, that, that right-hander is looking on the outer half. So this two-seam right here, that's able to start right there. See how that started on the outer half right there, Austin? See how that two-seam starts on the outer half like his slider does? And so that righty is sitting on that outer half. And instead, watch what the two-seam does. See how it bores in on him, and he's able to foul that off. That two-seam, that, that east-west two-seam, is huge for him because now, see how that hitter now can't sit on that outer, outer half of the plate because he just saw that two-seam come in on him. Now look how that gave a margin for error on that slider. That's the adjustment, right? Could be a little bit smaller that he could get in the zone to be another strike pitch, so he added a cutter. So now you're talking about a cutter. Let me back this up to the first pitch. Now see how this pitch goes right? Imagine that pitch going exactly left, and that's pretty much what his cutter looks like. So now he has one to come in on a righty to get him off the outer half of the plate. He has the cutter that, that can be thrown for a strike to get ahead in the count in case the, the, those hitters are sitting middle in. And then now, at that point, his changeup, he doesn't have that right there. He can throw his changeup for a strike out pitch. And when Gavin Stone, right there, when he can, when Gavin Stone can get into counts to where he can throw his change up for strike out pitches instead of having to throw it for a strike because he's already thrown his two seam and his cutter, that's when Gavin Stone becomes the Gavin Stone that we have seen so many different times. So can he be the impact of Bobby Miller? He's a different type of pitcher. He's a different type of pitcher than the Dodgers typically profile. He's more of an east-west movement location type guy, more of a soft contact guy that can get swing and miss based off of the soft contact type of strike pitches he throws. But, yes, he can have a very, very, very positive impact if he pitches the way that, that I just described with those adjustments that he made last year. So we'll see. He made them at the AAA level, which the PCL is a very hitter-friendly league. So it's not easy to throw at the PCL because you're hitting in environments where the ball really carries. So he was able to make those adjustments. That cutter right there. Do you see that? Let me back that pitch up. See, this is towards the end of the year. Watch this cutter right here. Now, this one sat in the middle of the zone but because it had a little bit different speed. See that? The hitter wasn't able to pull the trigger. That cutter right there was the difference for Gavin Stone because it gave him a strike pitch. Now that change up can beat. See how that two seam. See how he's using location and movement to stay off the of barrels. Now watch how he tries to attack this hitter with that change up down low. 
That's the pitch right there that he needs to get hitters out with right there. That is the exact Gavin Stone sequence. You saw the cutter. You saw right there, the cutter right there. You've seen a slider. You've seen the two-seam fastball and then the changeup for the swing and miss. When he's pitching like that, he is an outstanding pitcher. We'll see if he can do that at the major league level. Yeah, we'll see how he's able to make those adjustments at the major league level. We'll see what sort of room he's going to have to pitch at the major league level. It's going to be tough, but I think there are going to be spurts in this season where he's going to get opportunities to prove himself to to pitch with a little bit of a different arsenal than what we saw early in 2023. And I think this is going to lead to more success where he's not reliant just on the changeup and hope that some of the other pitchers are able to work. He's able to move east and west with his pitchers, and I think that's going to lead to a lot more success in 2024. He's still young. He can still make a lot of these adjustments, and there's still a lot of reasons to be excited about Gavin Stone. So don't give up on Gavin Stone just because he struggled last season. He's making adjustments, and just like with James Altman, he made some adjustments and was able to succeed. We'll see if these adjustments that Gavin Stone has made are going to lead to adjustments in 2024. I suspect that he's going to see a lot more success this upcoming season. Trust me, it takes runway to get adjusted to the major league level. You can't just pop mm-hmm. in and pop out, pop in, pop out, and expect these guys to be good. If you don't believe me, just watch the interview Tuesday with James Altman. A young man who had, what, a 4.4 war, you said, right? Yeah, 4.4 according to Fangraphs, yeah. And if and and if you would have just – so kind of my, my point on this. If you would have just taken his June, let's say that, that the only sample size he had was that one month of June, what would his war have been? <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Dodgers uh, fans would have been like, this guy sucks, at- right? Yeah, he had a 72 WRC plus in right. uh actually hold on just a second. In June he had a 54 right. WRC plus. Right. And and so and that's in like what? 100 at bats or or 75 at bats? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a decent little bats. sample size and if you would have just taken that big of a sample size and that's all James Outman would have gotten, Dodgers fans would have thought he sucked, right? Yeah, so it's 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 similar to the sample size that Dodgers fans got of like Michael Bush this past season. Yeah, right. And that's and and if you if you base your opinion solely on that without the opportunity for these guys to make those adjustments and give them time, uh, you're going to miss out on a player that's worth four point four war. You're going to miss out on a player that is incredibly talented like a James Altman. So just be patient with a lot of these guys. The Dodgers have a ton of talent they're going to be put in a position to where they can still win a lot of games they can still make it to the postseason they can still win this division and it can be something where uh these guys get a lot of experience as the Dodgers go and fight at for the postseason and fight to win a world series so uh just be patient and hopefully the Dodgers are able to find ways to give these guys long spurts of runway and in this upcoming season. Yeah, man, if you're judging guys based on the limited amount of reps that Gavin Stone got or Michael Bush, no way, man. That's not – I mean, there's just no way. Hey, Jason Soretti, thank you so much for joining tonight, and thank you so much for the super chat. Always super, super appreciated. Thank you both for all bringing every live stream. February February 8th, can't get here enough. I would totally agree with that, Austin. That is when pitchers and catchers report. Yeah, I can't wait until pitchers and catchers report. There's just something about the excitement, even though 
there's not a ton that we get to see. There might be some videos that come out. There's no games that are happening during those days, but there's something exciting about knowing that baseball is just around the corner and the the Dodgers are starting to get to work, and they'll be the first ones to start with this process, pitchers and catchers reporting. Flat live. Hey, says, anytime you need help with Spanish, I'm here for you. I will take you up on that. I promise you, yeah. I, I will. Absolutely, yeah. And that's something that, I mean, I've taken Spanish classes in high school, in college. Uh, never has been something that has fully stuck just because I'm not around that culture a whole lot. But, yeah, I, that'd be something that I would absolutely take you up on and something that I want to – better myself with uh, i think that'd be something that would be good and be we'd be able to be a little bit have a little bit more communications mm-hmm. with a lot of these guys that come up in this system and be just be uh just show that we are trying to be there for those guys i think that would be something that they would appreciate uh it's a skill that is much needed in the baseball world moose 1032 what's up casey good to see you good to see you too moose thank you so much for joining dodgers daily tonight Denard, Andrew Friedman mentioned today that Landon Knack would see action this year in 2024. What type of role do you see him having? Yeah, that's that's a really good question as far as for all of these guys that are coming up, the young pitchers that need to get playing time at the big league level. Landon Knack's starting to get up there in age. This past season was an incredible season for him he really was able to reestablish himself as a prospect um as far as Landon Neck in his role I don't anticipate him barring injuries being the one of the five main starters I think he's going to be in competition especially if Walker Bueller is not going to be in the starting rotation at the beginning of the season I think there's going to be a competition assuming that it's Yamamoto Glasnow Miller and Paxton in those four roles I think there's gonna be competition for that fifth spot with probably Emmett Sheehan because he's had some of the most experience being the front runner but I think Landon X is going to have a real opportunity to compete for that role and I think there's going to be opportunities throughout the season if they're going to give these guys some periods of rest where Landon Knack is going to come up and pitch at the big league level how often that's going to be I think that's going to be a determination on how many innings they want to give their starting pitches starting pitchers and what sort of role they want with Landon Knack he has been a starter throughout the minor leagues that seems to be a role that he is comfortable in and what I would anticipate him being in uh, but if there's any sort of way that they can fit this talented arm into the mix, I think the Dodgers would certainly not regret giving Landon Neck opportunities at the big league level because I think he's going to run with those opportunities. Yeah, four-pitch four strike, though, are very skilled. He's a guy that can get the ball in the strike zone with four different pitches. Do not look at his stat cast. I've been telling everybody. Matter of fact, I went on Reddit with a video of him the other day and had a comment of – 88 with the fire two fires by it and I tried to explain don't th- this is why at the minor league level if if you follow prospects and the only way that you follow them is through stat cast and through statistics and through hey how hard are they throwing what's their batting average what's their OPS you're you're absolutely not getting the picture of what's happening at the minor league level cuz these guys are working on so many different things and in Landon Knack's case, he's fighting through injury. He's trying to prove that, hey, he can work through injury and he is reliable every time he goes out there. And so his velo numbers went up and down. 
I can tell you I sat in Tulsa with opposing teams, StatCast data guys who were entering the StatCast. I looked at their iPads, and I saw him hit 96 on more than one occasion this year at the AA level. That is the opposing team stat cast. That's not my opinion. That is actually 100% what happened with Landon Knack. Now, I've also seen him throw 88-89. So Landon Knack's velo numbers were very up and down. They were very inconsistent. You're seeing Peyton Martin here. We're going to get into him here in a second. And that's because he was dealing with some nagging injuries, and he tried to pitch through it. So Landon Knack, he is in the best shape of his life. He is in L.A., his velo is up right now, and he is super excited for 2024. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what Landon Knack is able to do. I think with the statistics at the minor league level, they provide a little bit of an insight as to some of the talent that these players have. They're not always context included meaning you don't get the full story as far as what is going on what they might be working on what they might be fighting through with injury so i think with some of the numbers you're able to get a little bit of an insight into landon neck but i think you need the full grasp of the full story of what they're going through to fully appreciate or understand the level of talent that they have and if you understand that aspect of landon neck you understand their spurts where he was great where he flashed 96 Um, And he was fighting through a lot of injuries, especially coming off of that 2022 season. I think you will appreciate just how talented of a pitcher Landon Knack is and start to really believe in the upside that he has coming up. All right, Peyton Martin, you're seeing on the screen here, a rock star, 17th round out of Clemens, North Carolina. And guess what, Austin? He is instantly my favorite the first time I talked to him. You know why? Why is that? He is a big fan of Sonic. You've probably never heard of Sonic, have you? You mean the uh, Hedgehog? No, not Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the the restaurant. It's like a it's oh, like Sonic. an old yeah, time yeah. drive-in. Oh, yeah. You ever heard of them? Oh yeah, no, they had uh, fifty cent corn dog day. Yes, yes, it's like carnival type food. They have like cherry vanilla cokes and crap like that. And it is just yeah. matter of fact, the very first Sonic ever was in Shawnee, Oklahoma. The very first, and it was actually a restaurant, and this is Peyton Martin again, as we're seeing, the very first Sonic drive-in was in Stillwater, right right mm-hmm. next to my house. So that's very cool. So when I was talking to, to Peyton, Peyton's another one of these guys that loves relationships. Like, like he loves the fact that his scout that found him, Jonah, when they first met, they sat around and talked about his hometown for like four hours before they ever talked about baseball. So Peyton Martin is going to be a rock star. He's trying to get up to that that 196, you know, that 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 range right there. It's tough for him because the weight comes and goes. He reached as high as 98 last year. And, man, this dude has rock star type stuff. He has a rock star type persona. Interviewed him about a month ago. Super cool young man. Austin, what do you expect out of Peyton Martin this year? Where will he start? Yeah, I, Where will he end up? What do you expect out of him? That is a question yeah, that, from Jay. That is, a, that is a really good question because his season this past season was cut short due to some sort of injury. Played four, pitched in 14 games for Rancho. That's a pretty good, real, pretty solid sample size to pitch at Rancho. Uh, so the question, I think, with Peyton Martin is, is he going to get a couple more starts back in 
to, in Rancho, or are they going to throw him into the snow, into the cold in Great Lakes to go ahead and start the season? I expect to see Peyton Martin get a lot of starts for Great Lakes this season because given his numbers that he had and the success that he had in Rancho, 2.04 ERA with a lot of really good numbers to back that up, good strikeout numbers, not too many walks. Uh, Peyton Martin is one of those guys that is incredibly talented. I think is going to move quickly through this organization. I think the real question is, are they going to start him in Great Lakes and have him be part of that Karos, the Peter Hubeck, the Jackson Ferris type crowd? Is he going to be a part of that uh, to start the season? Or is that going to wait a month before they send him up to Great Lakes? Either way, that crop at Great Lakes, those pitchers are going to be phenomenal. It's going to be must-watch baseball here in Midland. It's going to be really exciting. It really is. Jackson Ferris, Peter Hubeck, Jared Karros, Peyton Martin. Wow. How about that for a starting pitching staff? That's pretty amazing, huh? Oh, no, that is. I mean, you you can't. It's, it's very hard to top a rotation like that. And that's not even throwing in some of the other really good, unique, talented players that will be pitching for Great Lakes as well. Peyton Martin, uh, he's going to move quickly through this organization. If he's able to stay healthy, um, he has all of the talent. He's starting to get a lot of recognition Mm -hmm. on prospect circles because of that talent. You heard about him first on Dodgers Daily. I promise you that. We were on him like you know what on you know what from the very get-go because this dude is just simply fantastic and his personality again hey talking to tom kunis if you watch that interview he said the thing that sold him the most on james outman was the meeting he had with him just go back and watch peyton martin in the two interviews i've done with him the dude's a rock star man i mean he just kills interviews He's like a natural with all of it. He's talking about making omelets and all that. It's just, he's just such a cool dude. So he has all of those James Altman type. You feel like when you're, okay, so like when you're talking to him, you feel like you're sitting around a campfire drinking a beer with him, right? Just kind of with the buddies. That's how you feel. I'm sure he doesn't drink beer because he takes care of his body way better than I do, right? Okay, but that's kind of the vibe you get with him. He's just such a, a really chill, really cool dude. Yeah. No, he definitely seems like a really cool dude. He better not be drinking beer because he's only 19 years old. He's got a lot of talent in. He's got a lot of talent uh, in him. So yeah, Peyton Martin, he's a rock star. I believe. Do you have two interviews with Peyton yes, Martin on do. Dodgers yes. Daily? Yeah, two two interviews with him. So be sure to check both of those out and just get to see some of the personality because that's what, as Tom mentioned uh, in the interview. Um, it matters. That is what they do. Yeah, that is what they do with these guys. They get to know them. They want them to be better people than they are baseball players. And, man, if Peyton Martin is this good as a baseball player, he's a really cool dude, too. He absolutely is. Jay, that is a great question about Peyton Martin. So thank you so much for that. Nickname for James Altman. The only one I've heard is Audi. Yeah. Like that the car is, Audi, that, you know? I think, Yeah, that's the only one that I – have heard for James Outman going up to the minor. You'll hear different nicknames for a lot of these guys, and we try to use some of these nicknames, like Justin Robleski, Robo, uh, Austin Gothier, Gator. Uh, there are certain nicknames. Audi is the only one that comes to mind with James Outman that kid. I can recall. Hey, kid. <laughs> That's the other one. Yeah. Because he was the youngest. He was one of the youngest guys, not one of them as far as experience goes, on the team last year. 
Roy, uh, yeah, Roy and Larry are talking back to each other. Hey, John Cozzi, that's what Vargas says they call him Roy, is they're talking about the nicknames for Alpman. Jay says, Alpman 2020 and 24. That's interesting that you say that, Jay, because I just got through, I just got off of a interview with James Alpman. I'm going to drop that next Tuesday. That was one of my questions. Hey, did you think, you know, you were only four steals away from 2020. Was that something you thought about during the season? Is it something you're thinking about right now? And can we expect 2020 from James Altman in the future? Or 3030 maybe, right? So stay tuned for that. We'll have to find all about that Tuesday night when I drop that interview with James Altman. But having said that, James Altman will go 2020 in his career multiple times. Okay, the first time I saw, the first time I think I ever tweeted about James Altman, just do an advanced search. It used to be called Dodger Poke Report, now Dodger Daily on Twitter. Do an advanced search, and for James Altman, Dodgers Daily, and what you will find is like one of my very first tweets about James Altman was, this dude is going to be a major leaguer. You could just absolutely tell that he had all of the it's. I don't, it's hard to explain. I probably can't verbalize it, but I'm just telling you, like what when you hear Tom talk about him, when you just see him and you talk to him, and there's just something about him that tells you this guy's going to make it. He 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 just he's going to he has it right. He's going to do yeah. it. And so when I say he's going to be 2020, he's going to be 2020 unless he gets unless he gets hurt. Let's hope he doesn't. Let me knock on wood. But yeah, I I am very confident in saying that. No doubt about that. Jay Brett Rose says Altman showed a lot of improvement on defense throughout the year. Funny you say that, Brett, because that was the first thing he went to when I asked him about his defense. What was it like? How did the the first the season of major leagues? How, how what did you learn defensively about yourself being in the major leagues? That was the first thing he went to. Was how he improved as the season went on. Yeah, and it really showed results this past season. Going against, going with the baseball savant as far as their defensive statistic that they use, outs above average. He had nine outs above average. Mm-hmm. That was in the ninety fourth yeah. percentile in he's Major a good League defender. Baseball, which means he's one of the best defensive defensive players in the game. He's one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. Uh, all the hard work that he put into is showcasing results. Uh, James Altman's a really good defender, which is why he is so valuable as a player. Yeah, this is Miguel Vargas here. What do you think his role is going to be, Austin? Yeah, that's that a, that's a is question. that's yeah, that's a really difficult question right now. And this this kind of goes comes into from John. By the way, of, he wants to know what's going to happen with Vargas. Yeah, and I think this comes into. Um, with Miguel Vargas right now, I think with he has some minor league options. Uh, so with the roster at his, as it is currently constructed, which again, there could be injuries, there could be opportunities that pop up. That's how James Altman got the opportunity last season. There was an injury. He was able to fill a void in the outfield. Um, Miguel Vargas right now is is not currently slotted to make the opening day roster. You look at the bench, you have Austin Barnes, you have Miguel Rojas, you have Manuel Margot, and you have Chris Taylor. That bench is full right now. He's going to either have to out-compete one of those players, in which case 
those guys I don't believe have any minor league options. Yeah, so you'd have matter. to move on from them. Or there has to be an injury for Miguel Vargas to get an opportunity at the big league level. So I think with Vargas, he is going to have to really outperform in Oklahoma City, put on a performance that is just overwhelming where you say, man, we can't He's already this done that before, though. In- I know. And he got a runway. Michael Bush in did LA. that. He, I know. And that and so he's going to have to do that to even enter into the picture Correct. or there's going to, to have to be an injury to where, man, he's the one infielder that's on this 40 man roster that's going to be in Oklahoma City. So as soon as there's an injury to this infield I think he's going to, or if there's just an injury in general, not counting the catchers, I think he's going to be the first guy that gets that call up. How frequent is that bats are going to be? I don't know. Right now, I think the Dodgers view him as insurance, and I think they're hoping that he's able to make those steps and reestablish himself as a good player. I really, I'm rooting for Miguel Vargas. I want him to make those steps and and make the improvements and learn the lessons that he took from 2023 when he had the opportunity to establish himself as a player on this roster, and he did not succeed in that. Uh, So right now the opportunities are going to be very limited with Vargas. I hope he's able to take advantage when those opportunities arrive. Uh, But right now there isn't a role for him on this roster, and I don't anticipate a role opening up barring injury right now. He's out of luck unless like you said, unless somebody gets hurt. I mean it's just math. There's it's not because the Dodgers yeah. it's not because the Dodgers don't think he's going to be a good major leaguer. It's not like they go, Oh well we gave him his chance and now it, it's not any of that. It's just the simple fact that they brought Max Muncie back. You're adding Gavin Lux that you didn't have last year. You still have Miggy Rowe, you still have Chris Taylor, and then you're moving Mookie Best to second base. There's just no room for Miguel Vargas. Does not matter if he hits 600. There's not room for Miguel Vargas well, on the major league. I will league. say, if he hits 600, they'll make room for Miguel Vargas. <laughs> yeah. there, there is a line to where you are just so overwhelmingly good that, okay, we'll go ahead and call you up. We, they, did, they didn't really do that with Michael Bush, probably when they should have this past season. But if he's hitting 600, if he's hitting 500 or even 400, they'll find a spot for him. Yeah. So he just has to be so overwhelmingly good that he starts to enter into that picture. Yeah. Or it could be that there could be some struggles. Let's say that they roll with Manuel Margot on this team and he struggles during early during the season to the point where, Hey, we don't really want him to be a part of this team. Maybe Miguel Vargas gets that opportunity instead. That could be an option that the Dodgers look to. That could be a possibility for a role Miguel Vargas, but I don't think he is in control of his destiny on this roster unless he is just so good. Unless he's the best hitter in minor league baseball. He actually is one of the few prospects in the last, what, since Gavin Lux that actually did have his future in his hands. James Altman didn't have his future in his hands. He was not going to be on the opening day roster until Gavin, no matter how good James Altman did, and he just was absolutely stroking the ball in spring training. He still wasn't going to be on the opening day roster last year unless Gavin Lux got hurt, correct? Mm -hmm. Bobby Miller was not going to be on the Dodgers roster last year unless there were injuries. Ryan Pepio was not going to be on the Dodgers roster last year unless there were injuries. There was literally not going to be 
one single prospect that was going to be on that roster last year, except for Miguel Vargas, that had actually a planned role. Hey, we're going to put him on the roster, and we're going to make him a starter on this team and give him runway. He was the only one. Now, I know it ended out that Pepio got innings. So did Miller and Grove and all. But it wasn't because it was planned. It was because it just fell into the Dodgers' lap via injury. Yeah, and and with Miguel Vargas, I mean, I mean, I still believe in the talent that he has. And last season with spring training, he had some of the injury. He had to stand there in the box and just see pitches. I think there are reasons that you can point to to say maybe he didn't get the fairest of shot. He got a long runway, but maybe he wasn't the healthiest. But now he had his opportunity. Now it's going to be out of his hands for when the future opportunities come. I hope they come from Miguel Vargas. Not that I'm hoping for injuries for any yeah, of Yeah, that's the problem. The Dodgers, is it's hard but, to say. It's hard for me to say yeah. I hope he gets chances because to say because, that, you also have to say I hope yeah. somebody's getting hurt. I don't want that either. So it's that, just a that tough is, situation. That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. Um, so it, it's really tough with the position that the Dodgers are in with Miguel Vargas. I think there's still a ton of talent. He's just going to have to live and control what he can control. And if he sticks to what he can control and starts hitting to the level that we have seen him hit in the past in 2021, in 2022, um, opportunities will open up, whether that be for the Dodgers or another organization. Yeah. I, I, I hope, I hope that they move him to third base or left field that I just get off the second base thing. He didn't grow up a second baseman. I've seen him at third, but I mean, I just, I love the Dodgers organization. They are, they are wonderful. I mean, they are, <laughs> they're elite at almost everything they do. I just hate it whenever they try to incorporate. It's hard enough. I, I'm just, I can't, I know I say this every show, but it is so hard to incorporate it in the major leagues. It is, I mean, if you don't believe me, again, watch the interview with James Altman. This is a 4.4 war guy. This is a guy that hit, what, two walk-offs and a grand slam. This is a guy that had massive success. He came in third as a rookie, right, in rookie of the year voting. Okay? He had a WRC plus that was almost 25% above league average. Above league average, not the other rookies, above league average. Okay? This was a rookie that had a massive amount of success in the major leagues. He will tell you, if you listen Tuesday, how hard it was to incorporate into the major leagues at an everyday level. Now, when you do that in an uncomfortable position, in a position that you aren't used to playing, that magnifies and intensifies that difficulty level by tenfold. Also, when Gavin Lux talks, listen to what he says. Listen to how difficult that was for him to try to bounce around and play everywhere on the field except for shortstop as he's also trying to incorporate into the major leagues. So I think that also played in. Go Also, go listen to my interview with Alex Friedman, the AAA play-by-play voice. That's one of the very first things he went to. Hey, he's trying to incorporate into to a new position. So he was trying to incorporate into a new position. I'm not really. I'm not trying to make excuses for Miguel Vargas. And if you don't believe me, come back through all of our other shows. Go through my social medias and look at my comments. Miguel Vargas had his time. He had his opportunity. He had more opportunity than any other prospect in this organization has had. I'm not trying to say that. Hey, 
it's on him. He didn't take advantage of it. I'm not trying to say that. I never have. What I am saying about Miguel Vargas is he was incorporating into a new position and he was dealing with and run with it. I'm not making excuses for him because, again, he had the chance. He didn't take advantage of it. But I do think those were factors. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, that that definitely makes a lot of sense. Context matters. That doesn't mean that we're trying to make excuses, but he didn't take advantage of the opportunities. There's some reasons why he might not have. And I think you made the really good points about learning a new position at the big league level when there's already so many adjustments that you have to make with how difficult it is to hit pitching at the big league level. It is a massive jump and just add something some additional piece onto your plate is something that is really difficult to do. And I think that's why, and some one of the things that the Dodgers should do and what they have implemented a lot, especially from what I've seen in Great Lakes, if you want to add positional versatility to these guys, which I think is valuable, there's a lot of upside in positional versatility. Have that be something that they're doing as they come up through the system. Have that be something where they're working on it as they're adjusting the pitching in Great Lakes, as opposed to, man, this is the first time that you're going Mm -hmm. to be getting consistent playing time at the big league level. Also, good luck hitting all of these pitchers as you're learning this new position at the big league level. I think having that positional versatility be an aspect of your game early in your career i think is going to help that with that transition as opposed to man we don't have a spot for you at third place can you fit in at second at the big league level and adjust to the major league pitching i think that is an adjustment that the dodgers can make and i've seen a lot of positional versatility that they've implemented with guys in great lakes over the past couple of seasons where guys can play multiple positions that's incredibly valuable but they're not learning that at the big league level they're learning it in midland michigan yeah well and let me let me actually click this back over to miguel vargas i wanted to kind of show you right here where he had been getting beat and watch this right here see that inside pits look how hard that was for him to get to watch this just for a second boom well next pitch one second here give me just a second here let me pause it right when see how see look at that look how uncomfortable that looks that is the pitch that beat miguel vargas last year over and over and over again because in my opinion he was and i did the our, our short monday on this because if you look right there he's getting ready to go around the ball right here and i think a lot of that was because he just simply couldn't control the barrel the way that he wanted to. Instead, see what he's always done in the past with that inside pitch is he's pulled his hands inside and inside out of that ball to right center. That's how he's always hit that inside pitch. And right here, look, see how hard that is for him to go get. Now you tell me if that's not a hand issue right there, right? I mean, that is maybe not his hand is hurt at that particular moment in that particular swing, but those are not. That's not Miguel Vargas mechanics right there. Where do you think he learned that mechanic on an inside pitch? I'm telling you, I've seen the dude play for three years now. I've never seen a swing like that from Miguel Vargas. Not one single time until I saw, until I took that video last year, which is in August. Not one time did he ever swing a bat like that. So that tells me something is wrong. Something is different. Not necessarily wrong, but something is different. Something that happened to cause him to swing the bat like that unlike I've ever seen him swing before. I'm getting kind of fired up, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's totally fine because uh, from the Miguel Vargas that we have seen, he is a really good player, and he's able to get to those inside 
pitches and he's able to hit them to right center field into that gap. He's able to do a lot of damage on these pitches. I think there was a lot of stuff that he was going through. And if he comes back to camp healthy and he's able to just control what he's able to control, trust the process and work on trying to better himself. I think that's going to pay real dividends for him. And I think he, whether that comes with the Dodgers through some sort of opportunity that opens up or whether that be through another organization, I think he's going to find his way back to the big leagues. He just has to trust with the process, continue to make the improvements that he needs to, uh, and just stick and just, and just continue to work on his craft. No doubt about that. So, hey, we've got a great lobby tonight. We have a great crowd, so let's get to some more comments here. What's the deal with Paxton? They found an issue in his in his physical, and so now he's not going to be able to make quite as much money in incentives with the Dodgers? Yeah, I, th- I think the as far as the base salary that he is going to get, I think it dropped down to $7 million, if I re- read that correctly. Mm-hmm. And I think there might be some incentives if he makes additional starts to where it could go back up to closer to what the original terms of agreement were. I think the contract is a little bit more incentive-based as opposed to just the base salary that he's going to get. That is a result of something that they saw with the physical. Just some minor concern because they're still signing James Paxton. Um, there is some concern with James that there some injury concern with James. I don't know how he's going to hold up through the whole season. He has dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his career, especially recently. Last season was really his first season coming back. Uh, so I don't know what to expect with James Paxton this upcoming season, neither do the Dodgers, which is why it is a little bit more incentive-heavy contract than what was originally offered to him. Yang Yi says the only area the Dodgers did not upgrade is the bullpen. Hope they do something. I do think that they're going to probably sign Ryan Brazier, somebody like that. Would you agree? I, I think they're going to do something. They can't right now, though, because the 40-man's full. Yeah. The 40-man is full, so that would have to come through – either some sort of trade. And I don't think they want to sign Ryan Brazier to a multi-year deal, which if you're Ryan right now, you want to get that multi-year deal because you're coming off, especially with the Dodgers, your best season. And this is one of, if not your last chance to go into free agency and make generational defining money. Um, So I think he's still looking for that maybe two or three year deal. I think he could maybe get a two year deal. I don't think the Dodgers are willing to go to two years. I think they want to wait out to see if they can get him to a one-year deal and wait to see if they don't have to give up any of the roster spots that they have right. Although if the 40-man roster is full right now, whether I guess they could wait until spring training when they can put Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May on the 60-day IL. That could open up a roster spot for Ryan Brazier. So I could see them waiting for that. I could also see Ryan pushing for a two-year deal. So it'll be interesting to see how desperate the Dodgers get to sign a reliever. I don't think they're going to get desperate to signing him to a two-year deal. I don't know what other teams in their plans for the bullpen are. I hope Ryan Brazier would be awesome if he was able to come back. Um, that is going to limit some opportunities for some of the younger guys, but if he pitches anywhere close to what he did for the Dodgers last season, it would be worth it. Yep, no doubt about that. So let's get to some more of our chat here. Normally he says Stone needs to be able to paint the black with his fastball, and not necessarily as much that, 
what that cutter is what's allowed him to to breathe, give him a little bit of margin for error because you just didn't feel like you had a pitch he could throw for a strike one that wouldn't get ambushed. That cutter was what allowed him to move the ball enough to not get ambushed with. Now, even if he does, even if he does paint the corner or doesn't, at least you're ahead in the count, and now it's one one and not one zero, which is which was not good for him. So no doubt, definitely needs to paint the corner and and with the two seam and the four seam he threw last year to get to his secondaries, which would be a secondary for his out pitches. So great point there, Norm. And Craig says just thankful the Dodgers have great people in charge at all levels. No doubt, Travis Barbary has been with the Dodgers. His entire adult working life. He played for the Dodgers, and then he started working for the Dodgers as soon as he stopped playing, and he's been with them ever since. That's your AAA manager. Henny is the mayor of Drillville. He is the man. Trust me, he is the man. You talked about Daniel Nava, now Yair Fernandez, and you're going to have D.A. Dave Anderson as the pitching coach. You're going to have Big O.D., Okoye Dixon as your hitting coach. They're at Great Lakes, and then you have the most professional manager of all time. There is no such thing as a better manager in the California League ever than John Shoemaker. And then, obviously, you also have Dylan Nashaka down there, Sean Coyne, and Ramon Troncoso, Tronchi, who actually pitched in the major leagues. So try that staff on for size at the, at the single-A level, right? Oh, yeah. And Casey has had the opportunity to talk to a lot of these guys. So if you don't want to just take his word right now for that, go ahead and listen to these guys and hear these guys speak and talk about this organization and talk about their process with the development. I ask him a question and shut up because they're impressive to listen to. (laughs) Oh, they're incredibly impressive to listen to. And they are a huge part of why the Dodgers continue to have great farm system and continue to produce great talent. Even if the talent doesn't always show up in LA, you look around the big leagues, there are there are people that have come up through this Dodgers organization that are helping out big league clubs. And it is really cool to see the hard work that these guys are putting in mm-hmm. just pay off. Cole, good evening. You're lucky, Casey. I'm living in Pittsburgh, and the only minor league team I get to watch is the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> Matter of fact, they're, I've been to one of their AAA teams, the Indianapolis Indians, and that's a pretty good mm-hmm. – Indianapolis actually puts out a pretty good crowd. I think there's probably times where Indianapolis might put out more people than Pittsburgh to watch a AAA game, kind of have the, the, the A's organization going there because Indianapolis is a great minor league town. But, yeah, I don't know yeah, how far and- that is from, from Pittsburgh, but that's funny. Yeah, it, there's a couple of other teams maybe that you could go to. That's a that's a really funny point. At least you get a really nice stadium there in Pittsburgh right to the enjoy some of the road teams that show up. Maybe the Dodgers will show up and you'll be able to watch the Dodgers for a couple of days or see some of the other teams. Or you could go ahead and go out there and watch Jose Hernandez pitch out of the yeah. bullpen for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Andre Jackson. Absolutely well, no, that. Andre signed with the with an MPB team, didn't he? Andre was with yes. him for a while. Yeah, okay, this yeah. is Kyle Hurt. We have a question here, Austin. What role will Kyle Hurt play this year? That's from Lance Jennings. Lance, thank you so much for joining. Yeah, this is a really good question because Kyle Hurt, I, you look at the upside, you look at the talent that he has, you look at his strikeout ability. Uh, he is somebody that Dodgers fans are some of the most excited and should be some of the most excited about because he has all the potential in the world to be either a really good starter or an elite bullpen piece, the very high leverage bullpen piece. It's going to be about 
opportunity for the Dodgers and whether they prioritize putting Kyle Hurt into this bullpen as far as fitting him into the starting rotation, I think that's going to be a little bit more difficult to find opportunities for him. He could certainly earn it out of spring training and be that fifth starter instead of an Emmett Sheehan. Um, but I think the most visible opportunity for Kyle Hurt to get to the big leagues, which I know is his goal and what he wants to do, might be out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And if you have Kyle Hurt out of the bullpen, Dodgers fans got a glimpse of I don't know what the role is going to be, but he needs to have a role for the Dodgers because I think he, especially if he's given this run time to adjust, to get comfortable with the mechanics at the big league level and get comfortable with fighting and uh, going against these big league hitters, I think he's going to absolutely shove Mm -hmm. and be a dominant strikeout pitcher at the big league level. It's just a matter of math. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to have, I mean, it's just look at, I mean, look at the, you already have four guys that don't have options in your bullpen and then you're going to have Bruce Dar Gratterall, and then you're going to have Blake Trinan and Alex Vesia, and it's just the math gets very difficult for for guys like Kyle Hurt and Emmett Sheehan, Michael Groh, Nick Frasso, Landon Knack. It just gets really difficult from a mathematic yeah. perspective. Now, I do think I had a message on Reddit today that, and I think the person who messaged it wants to stay anonymous, but I think next year if Shohei Otani goes over like a certain criteria of innings, as a two-way player, then you actually had to get to have 14 pitchers on your roster. So I think next year that 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 might actually help. Don't quote me on that. I'm going to actually look yeah, that yeah. up. Yeah, okay. So Norm Lee says Altman's issue was 31. You're looking at Kyle Hurt here. Altman's issue was 31.9% strikeout rate. No doubt about that. I, I have said many, many times, and I talked to James today, James is my favorite Dodger player in the system. I'm not going to hide that fact. I love James Altman. Okay, he is just an awesome dude, awesome player. Uh, I've just been so just impressed with him from the time that I saw him. But I, I am, I have said many times. You've heard me say how many times, Austin? Twenty-five percent make that the goal, and he got close to that twenty-five percent as he worked his way up the minor leagues. So he is capable of doing that. If he can get it down around twenty-five percent, he's going to be on base another twenty-five, thirty times which means he's going to steal another six or seven bases. He's going to easily be that 2020 guy. And I think his war metrics and his WRC plus numbers go up even from there, even if he hits a couple fewer home runs. Yeah, even I mean, he showcased this in 2022 in Oklahoma City. As you mentioned, he got his strikeout percentage to 25 percent. His WRC so plus because he was, able to, he was able to keep up with that power. Uh, his WRC plus was 144. Um, but that is one area. If you identify with these players, there are certain areas that you can always look for rooms with improvement. And with James Altman, that is one of the biggest areas that you can point out to and say, hey, this could be an area of need. Even if the strikeout numbers continue, as, as long as the rest of production that he was able to showcase continues to follow as long as he's able to still hit for home runs he's still able to steal bags or have really good defense i mean you talk about a 4.4 war player those types of players are incredibly rare he still had a close to 120 wrc plus 118 i believe this past season he's still a very valuable player even if these strikeout numbers continue i think you have to appreciate 
these guys for just how good they are. I think it's similar to some of the some of the uh, things that we get frustrated about with a Max Muncy, where he strikes out a lot. But if you look at the overall big picture, he's still a really good player. I think with James Altman, if he could just refine this a little bit more, I think that's going to catapult him to even another level than what he is at right now. But yep. where he, the type of player of what he's at currently is still one of the most valuable players in the game of baseball. Yeah, and that's not just for rookie. That's against all the other people. And what you're seeing right here, Austin, yes. you know what you're watching here on this video of Outman? What's that? It's first cycle. He hit for two cycles in Oklahoma City in the same week, and one of them was a walk-off. He had two walk-offs last year and a grand slam. This dude, he absolutely comes through all the time in the clutch. Hey, Daryl Jackson. Daryl, thank you so much for joining the guys who are coming up, what roles are they going to have? Depth. They're going to have to wait for injuries. I think Emmett Sheehan's going to have runway. Beyond that, they have to wait for injuries. Yeah, and and that is something that is something that you're just going to have to deal with with this organization, with the talent that they have, with the veteran type players when they seem to rely on them and with the expectations that they have of winning a world series that seems to be the role that the dodgers envisioned for a lot of these guys so they will come up they will get opportunities uh this upcoming season when is a question yep. and for how long is a real question yep knack is where pepio was at as far as opportunity says normally i would agree with that mlb player says denard hate it when the routine gets interrupted Besides Bobby Miller, Stone, Pepio, Grove couldn't get into routine due to shifting back and forth, especially the year before for Grove and Pepio. They got a little bit more of a routine, normal routine last year. And then and then Gavin Stone, they just, he just had absolutely no routine. So that's another one. Hey, there's one. Here's one for Maddox Bruns. If he can somehow gain better control, Norm, good luck. Or not good luck, but good news. Last two months of the season, Norm, Maddox Bruns, through his fastball, let me get some video up on him. Maddox Bruns through his fastball in zone more than sixty percent of the time. That would that you're right. That has been that's not Maddox Bruns right there. I'm not exactly sure what that video is. Oh, that's Burns. That's Andy Burns right there. I got okay. So let me get to my Maddox Bruns video. Where is my Maddox Bruns video? Well, I guess I can't find it at this moment. But Maddox Bruns, let me take that off then. Maddox Bruns threw his fastball end zone more than 60% of the time. And when he's doing that, he is absolutely elite. Yeah, he, he's really good. He's got all the stuff to be a great pitcher. It's about that command. It's about that control, being able to throw for strikes. He made some steps. He made some progress in that area. And we'll, I'm excited to see how he's able to build off that success and how he's able to continue to grow as a prospect, all the stuff is there. There's a reason why the Dodgers drafted him this highly, and there's yep. a reason why if you talk to Dalton Rushing, he will talk your ear off about Maddox Bronze. If you talk to a lot of guys in this organization, they'll speak highly, super highly on Maddox Bronze and his stuff. Um, just speaking from experience, it is nasty. Yeah, it happens to see. Hey, thank you for joining. Front office is higher on Vargas than Bush. They definitely gave Vargas – the first opportunity over Bush last year, so I can't disagree with that. The good thing about that is, is that Michael Bush is going to get his chance to show what he is capable of with his hit tool. Norm Lee says, initially, I thought Outman's ceiling was Charlie Blackman. 
Yeah, Altman is good, man. I mean, Altman's very talented, and he and he continues to grow. Hey, Denard says oh, yeah. Miguel Vargas deserves a second chance. He was hurt last season. Scouts rave about his hitting, spreading it all over the field and the minors. He might need to wait until 2025. And then Norm Lee says Vargas needs to improve his strength and possibly shorten his swing. I would agree with all that, Norm. He needs a little bit more impact with the ball, which looked a bit long when he was in the bigs. I, I went, yeah, I call it going around the ball. You're calling it long. I, I think it's both the same thing. You're looking at video here of of Maddox Bruns. Hey, Matt Kramer, I am way in on Vargas. Awesome, yeah, man. He's six foot three, no doubt about it. Injuries will happen, always do, and I think that is the plan for these rookies. Matt says, "Come on, guys, Vargas hit on every level until he broke his finger. He'll get his chance, and this year." It's going to have to be due to injury, and I hope you are 100% correct. Yeah, obviously we're not rooting for an yeah. injury, but I think there is going to be an opportunity for Miguel Vargas. And as you mentioned, he had hit at every single level. All the indicators would say that he has a really good chance to be a good, solid, productive major league player. The Dodgers took that risk early in 2023 and rolled with him, didn't succeed. There are several different reasons that you could point to as far as the reason why that might have been the case. Uh, but there's still reason to believe in the talent that Miguel Vargas has. So I'm excited about him. I'm glad you're excited about him. I just hope um, that at some point he's able to get an opportunity, whether yep. that be for the Dodgers or whether that be for another organization. All right. And Norm says, I thought the Pepio was set to be in the rotation. Well, you had you had Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw. You had Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, and and Noah Syndergaard. Yes. Huh? And Julio yeah. Arias. So, yeah, no, yes. it, it took an injury to actually get him. Uh, he actually took more than one injury to get Ryan Pepio in that starting rotation. Hey, Jose Antonio, thank you so much for joining from Elanis uh, uh, from Mako. Hi, Casey and Austin. This is a great show. Hey, thank you so much for that wonderful comment. Dodgers have a lot of under-radar prospects. Gothier, Lorenzo, Peyton Martin, Alec Gamboa. Great future, no doubt about that. And we love covering the underrated prospects here, don't we, Austin? Oh, yeah. There is a lot of talent within this organization and some that you don't realize just how good they are. I've had a chance to write about a couple of these guys, including Austin Gothier, including T.Y. Taylor Young, and him having the best stolen base season at the Dodgers minor league level uh, since at least 2006. This is Gothier here. Um, this is Austin Gothier, and for him to be do something that only 20 other minor league players have done since 2006, it's just absolutely incredible the level of production and the talent that they have. And there's still a lot of reason to believe in some of these other guys in the system and just dream about the possibilities of what they can become, just the steps that they can make. I'm a big believer in Alex Freeland, that shortstop, yeah. and what he's going to be able to do because I've seen – that swing and he has a lot of power in his bat. I think there's still a lot of upside with him. And you look at throughout the rest of this organization, I've talked a lot about even a guy converted position player to pitcher and Sarin Lau yeah. uh, producing some of the best swinging miss stuff within this organization uh, up and down. There is reason to be excited about this system. I know that mm -hmm. we talked about it last week about MLB pipeline, only putting two guys in this system. Uh, in the top 100 for 2024. 
watch these guys and watch the level of talent that they have. I think they're going to really surprise you. And I think they're going to really surprise even guys that rate these prospects, because I think the talent level that they have and the coaching that they are surrounded by allows them to maximize their potential. Hey, is there anybody out of the non-roster invitees? We're going to go till 940, eight more minutes. We're going to get through all these comments. We want to not just read the comments. We want to interact with them. We want this show to be together. We are doing this together. So sometimes it takes longer to talk together and have a conversation and not, like I said, not just read comments. But is there anybody in the non-roster invitee list that sticks out to you, Austin? Yeah, I think I think some of the biggest names on there that you could see push for opportunities, you'd probably look for maybe more of the bullpen. So like uh, Daniel Hudson is a very good has a very good opportunity to compete for a spot on the roster so daniel hudson would be one that you could take a look at he's he is somebody who has been in the big league so probably somebody that you are already familiar with there's some other really good names there's a lot of really interesting good i know we've talked a lot about drew avens ryan ward in the outfield and seeing them be able to compete at the big league level uh jonathan arouse uh, is going to be part of that Oklahoma City infield. Some of that further depth, aside from a Miguel Vargas that you can see. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really good, interesting guys. Not a lot of room to compete for a spot at the big league roster. Obviously, if one of these guys just explodes on the scene, then maybe a roster spot can't yep. open up. Uh, so if you're looking for... Uh, guys that are going to make the opening day roster. I don't think there's a ton of room to grow for these guys. But w- as we've talked about before, there are injuries that occur. And that those can open up other opportunities for either some of the younger guys. Or if they don't want to add them to the 40-man roster, perhaps that opens up opportunities for some of these other guys that could be in Oklahoma City. Yep. For a, a Nabil Krismet or a Steven Gonzalez or any of these other guys. Um, I haven't spent a ton of time looking at a ton of these guys, uh, so I'm not entirely sure as far as the potential or the upside that they have. I know the Dodgers do their homework, Mm -hmm. and they see some upside with these guys, and there's a reason why they have them, and there very well could be opportunities for these guys to come up to the Dodgers. I think that there's a smaller chance for a lot of these guys. There has to be injuries that have to occur or they have to vastly outperform. But it's still interesting to yep. see these guys compete and can fight for their careers. They're fighting for to get to the big leagues just like these prospects are, and they're going to get their opportunities in spring training. Hey, Pelicans, thank you so much for the super chat. Ola, back to yourself. Thank you so much for that. That is so awesome. Denard says, are there any players? Yeah, we just went over that. And Denard, hey, thank you so much, Denard, for the super chat. Yo también hablo español. I'm 100% bilingual. That means I also speak Spanish. Awesome job there, Denard. Thank you so much for that super chat. Yong says, Yong Yi says, Dodgers were sold at second base in 2012, and they just spent more than two. Uh, they were sold at, no, they sold for $2 billion in 2012, and they just spent more than $2 billion in the 2024 offseason. That is incredible. Hey, Matt Kramer, thank you so much for the Super Chat. We are on fire tonight, Austin, with the Super Chats. That is just simply fantastic. Thank you so much, Matt. Hey, we can't thank you guys enough. Austin and I have built this from the ground up. Every time we get a compliment, every time you guys do something like this and gals do something to show appreciation, Austin and I 
are so thankful for that, correct? Yeah, yeah, we are incredible. Like speaking for myself, I'm incredibly grateful. I got the opportunity to be able to talk on a podcast about the game that I love and just dive into a lot of the numbers. I'm super grateful for the audience and super grateful for the support that you guys continue to show. Uh, we do have the, yep. we are blessed to have the best baseball fans out there, the best community in Dodgers daily. And so we are incredibly grateful for that. A read just about all of the different yeah. comments and really appreciate the support that you guys bring. Hey, Pelicans, thank you so much for joining. I love it when Pelicans joins. It'll be tough to earn time from spring. Alvin won spring two years in a row and McKinstry did well every spring. Hep C, Angel's going to get Brazier three years with an opt out for a fourth. Seems like every time they do something, it doesn't work, right? Matt says Vargas is bad bit. Suck too. Had 305 on base percentage. Lousy 195. Yeah, he did very much so struggle. And I think there are reasons for that. I cannot defend the actual results. I can defend the process of which we've talked about a little bit already on tonight's show. Pelicans, has there been any word on if they want to run a six-man rotation? The first month in March, they don't have to. There's enough off days. The off days will act as a quasi six-man rotation, so I don't think you're going to see one at the beginning. And plus, I went pretty in-depth on the last show. A six-man rotation removes a bullpen piece, which means at that point, that 13th spot has to be a taxi type of guy back and forth from Oklahoma City that constantly has to be able to give multiple innings. And so at that point, it's going to be either Emmett Sheehan or Kyle Hurt or neither and so the math gets really tough in a six-man rotation. Yeah, it's going to be tough for them to implement that six-man rotation, especially with the removal of a bullpen piece, especially since you're not allowed to have 14 pitchers and 12 position players on a roster. I think if that was the case, yeah. you could see maybe the Dodgers go that route, but with the roster limitations that they are under – uh, they're going to be creative in how they give their pitchers off days. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a solid all-around six-man rotation that they're going to continually rotate through. They're going to be creative on how they go about mm -hmm. making sure their arms stay healthy. Hey, Hep C, Alvin only going to get better. Teens would love to have him. 700000 per year. Are you kidding me? For a 4-4 war guy, a guy who's 25% better than league average, that, that's a, going to be a 2020 guy in multiple years, no doubt about it. Hey, Matt says, hey, Casey and Austin, any chance we get we put Yamamoto on the six-game rotate, maneuver the rest of the guys at the five-man? Absolutely. The Dodgers have been doing it. This isn't going to be unique to this year. Between, as Jay will tell you, between manipulating the IL and then the up-down train in Oklahoma City, over 65% of the time, Dodgers pitchers in the last since Friedman's been there have pitched on more than four days rest. So this six-man rotation is something the Dodgers have always done. They've done it through using the IL and then the Oklahoma City up-down train. So no doubt you will see very creative situations like that. Flat Life Casey, you think Ben Kasparius can have any chance to be called up for a cup of coffee this year? I love Ben Kasparius. Let me get some video up on him. He was throwing the ball better than he ever has. And as a matter of fact, his fastball reached 98. And that's definitely not his best pitch. He is slider-centric. His slider's his best pitch. But I just, I, I can barely see Nick Frosso getting very many chances. I see Gavin Stone getting very few chances. Michael Grove getting very few chances. I see it being tough for Landon Knack. I see it being tough for all these, these River Ryan. He's not on the 40-man I think the percentages are less less than five percent. That Ben, it would take 
like six or seven or eight injuries for Ben Kasparis to get on the 26 this year. Would you agree with that, Austin? Yeah, that's what I would tend to lean towards. I saw a lot of really good improvement with Ben this past season. 2022 went up to Great Lakes, struggled a little bit. He was working through a lot of stuff. 2023 starts, and he just absolutely shoves to where they called him up within a month or so to yeah. Tulsa. Um Ben, I think he shows you that he's able to adapt. If you give him enough time, he can adapt to that next level. And I think he's going to run away. And I think he's going to start off and do really good for Tulsa or Oklahoma City or wherever they decide to place him. I think the biggest hurdle that he has to go through to get to the big leagues right now, one, he's not on the 40-man roster. So that already puts a limitation towards him. And there's already a logjam at Oklahoma yeah. City with a lot of really good, talented pitchers who need opportunities at the big league level who are a little bit older than he is. So I think those guys are going to get the first opportunities. Ben Kasparis is I just he's going to have to overwhelmingly perform way above expectations and just absolutely shove to where the Dodgers view him as the best pitcher of the bunch yeah. in order to enter that conversation next season to get playing time, or there has to be injuries that have to occur. So Ben, I'm still excited yep. about Kasperius and his upside that he has. I'm excited to see how he's able to adapt and the adjustment that he's going to continue to make to get hitters at the upper levels out with the math and how this roster construction is currently um, constructed and with the guys that they have in this system, find it very hard yep. right now to see him get an opportunity at the big league level. Yeah, I have seen are the, are the Dodgers season. developing Bruns as a starter or are they using him more as a reliever? 100% starter. They moved Ronan Cop yep. to the pin as a reliever. Maddox Bruns has continued to be a starter. They have not even hinted in any way to move Maddox Bruns to the bullpen that I know of. Cole says if MLB wanted to cut down, and you're looking at Ben Kasparius here. On injuries to their starter pitchers, they would expand their rosters for a dadded pitching depth. Flat Life said, yeah, that's a good point, and then everybody would be able to say that's the problem with the six-man rotation is the only way it works is if, like you're in the the NPB, and your starters go like eight and nine innings. Then you, you don't need as many relievers. But when you're like the Dodgers and your relievers only go six and you need to cover three innings every night, and then you're eliminating one of your bullpen guys by going with the six-man – it just makes the math really, really tough. So at that point, the way that the major league teams only have their 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 pitchers go six, you would need a 14th pitcher on roster for it to make sense for teams. So that is 100% correct. Cole Flatlife says Miguel will be our third baseman of the future. Trust me, I love your optimism there. Normally says curious about Kendall George having a guy that leaks speed with. Uh, would be a weapon with today's rules, no doubt about that. And he, by the way, he was so good, they actually brought him up to Rancho last year. I'm going to flip this back to up, us, Austin. We're going to hit these last couple of comments, and we are going to get out of here. Normally, if healthy, yeah, I'm high on Hudson. Yeah, that would be Daniel Hudson, no doubt. Got to keep those legs healthy. Laker Station Noog, thank you so much for joining. Hey, Casey, really liked your comment that Paxton could go to the bullpen for playoffs. That could really help our lefty situation there. I love that situation because they're not going to need him in the playoffs to start. You're liable to have Kershaw back. So now you're getting that left-handed starter that you wanted for the regular season, the left-handed reliever for the playoffs. Do you like that, Austin? I like that. It would be interesting to see how he's able. I would like to see him 
get some experience out of the bullpen towards the yep. end of the regular season just to get him accustomed to that role and get him a couple of outings. Uh, but I think there's a lot of potential that you could see if you're able to keep James Paxton yep. healthy. If he's able to provide some innings because he throws gas and he can be really effective. Uh, he's effective out of the starting rotation. I hope and I think that's going to translate out of the bullpen. And if that does, that provides you with a potential good high leverage relief pitcher, left handed relief pitcher. Brett Rose, this is the great question. Next year, does Otani count as a position player or a pitcher for roster purposes? I think both. Don't quote me on this. I was I was messaging with the guy on Reddit today that I think wants to remain anonymous. And he thinks that if you throw over a certain uh, as soon as you throw over a certain amount of innings as a pitcher, then you get to add a 14th pitcher to your roster. Now you don't get you're not going to get 27 people on your roster, but you can have 14 pitchers at that point and one less position player. So I do think yeah. because he is both a position and don't quote me on that, I will look that up and confirm that. But I do think that you will get 14 pitchers with Otani next year just not more than 26 yeah. on your roster yeah and and not in 2024 because he won't be pitching this upcoming right. season you'll still be yeah he will Sorry. still count yes. as a position player but in 2025 if he comes back yep. healthy and starts pitching that could present some opportunities i don't know as the mlb rules on how that is constructed we'll find him and we'll get um, him to you yeah well we'll we'll look into that a little bit more Hey, Austin, thank you for a great show again tonight. It is 9.45. We went 15 minutes over time, which is fine because we had a bunch of wonderful comments. And, hey, I look at the numbers. Everybody stuck in with us and stayed around. So for Austin Brubaker, I'm Casey Porter. I want to thank you for tuning in again and say go Dodgers.